Then it's going to be interesting. There were two. We're all having a good time together. Trump. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. Haley. We deserve a new direction. The latest every minute. It's where I get my news. Is here. News Talk 97.3. The Sky. The third hour of our get-together is underway. It is 8.06. Time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelers, where the answer is always yes. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Show. Greg Cassidy's here. Some of your top stories, the Mayorkas impeachment failed. What about the border bill? Is that still in play or is it dead on arrival? And Iran seems to be getting stronger and more emboldened. And we're going to deal with all those issues. In fact, we are going to ask our next guest all about them. Joining us now, Congresswoman Kat Kamick on the Bob Rose Show. Good morning, Kat. How are you? Good morning, fellas. We're doing all right. But can't wait to be back in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so let's talk about the border bill. Uh, is it dead on arrival? A bunch of Republicans said it is. But I remember that was even said about Obamacare. So is this thing going to come back up and morph into a different kind of monster? You know, I don't think that it will, because let's remember, this isn't actually a border bill. That's the challenge that, you know, people are really struggling with is that they're saying this is a big comprehensive border package. It's not. This is a Ukrainian aid package. This is a Palestinian aid package. This is a bunch of items that don't relate to border security. There's a citizenship uh, program for Afghan parolees. There's a, uh, a, a new visa created, uh, chain migration. There's immigration issues, but not specifically border security. And as you see, there's Senate leadership outside of McConnell that is taking this down in the Senate. So I think it's not just dead in arrival in the House. I think it's dead in the Senate. And I'm going into an elevator, so I apologize if this gets a little... No, no worries. Rocky on the connection. Yeah, hopefully you'll stay with us. Yeah, that bill included like 50,000 additional work permit, uh, permits. Uh, they're jumping through hoops and doing everything except, it would appear, uh, related to border security. Now, let me ask exactly. you, Yeah, if you can still hear us, um, Mayorkas and the attempt to impeach, it was a failure. What happened? So, you know, yesterday in the GOP conference, every week we get together as a as a team and hash out what we're going to be voting on that week and the following weekend. There was a really, really intense discussion yesterday about this. It took the Homeland Security uh, Committee a year to conduct the investigation. And there were three of our colleagues that were pretty adamant about voting against this impeachment uh, bill because they felt that while my orchestra it's terrible at his job. It didn't rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. And speaking specifically about like McClintock from California, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, if everyone was going to get impeached for being bad at their job, all of Congress would be impeached and the entire cabinet would be impeached. And so while that's true, I can say definitively that Mayorkas, his intention has been deliberate. He's not just bad at his job. He is willfully ignoring the law as it is written, lying to Congress, and engaging in activity that puts our national security at risk. So because of his willful and engaging way of of doing his job, it's not like he's just bad at his job. He's purposely doing this. That's why I supported the impeachment. So 
you had three people who voted no, which was enough to stop it. And then there was a fourth vote from Blake Moore of Utah, who was originally with us, and he had to actually switch his vote. It's a procedural motion that allows for people for that bill to come back up if one of the original prevailing side members brings it back. And so a lot of people are saying, what are these four people up to? There was actually just three. And uh, so it's going to come back after some pretty tough discussion. But I think it's important that people recognize that there is a process in all this. And also, this is dead on arrival in the Senate. So important to impeach in the House, yes, but it's not going to actually remove him. So we have to focus on the 2024 election if we're serious about getting rid of Alejandro Mayorkas. Yeah, if you would have got rid of Mayorkas earlier, it might not have um, worked out the same way because now we're so far down the road in terms of the exposure of the border and the American people finding out and figuring it out that Biden can't use Mayorkas as a straw man anymore. He can't blame him and make the border issues go away. His hands, exactly. yeah, his hands are just as dirty now. Let's move on to Iran. I don't know if you saw the story where the IDF uh, came out and said, look, we've got documents and they're going to release them that shows a clear money trail between Iran and Hamas. And, of course, they found lots of money in those tunnels, too. But this is pretty definitive that points back to Iran. As we know, they're the state sponsor Mm -hmm. of terrorism. But this really makes the connection very, very real, even for those who want to bury their head in the sand. Uh, What should we do? Uh, Should we do anything with Iran? And then my secondary part of that is Iran just announced they're building their, I believe, their third nuclear reactor. They're going to start that soon. For the people who were ever questioning whether or not Iran was financially backing groups like Hamas or Hezbollah or the Houthis in Yemen, I feel like like John McClain, like, welcome to the party, pal. You know, we've been talking about this for years and the threat that Iran has posed in being the largest international sponsor of terror. The evidence further confirms what we've known all along. So that's good. But now it comes down to what are we going to do about it? We've played this half-baked sanctions game with Iran, which has really done nothing more than slow down their enrichment program and devalue the U.S. dollar. When we go crazy initiating sanctions around the globe, we tend to put our own domestic financial health at risk because you have players who say, I'm going to evade the SWIFT banking system, I'm going to move away from the green back. And that's what we're seeing now as a result of decades of this kind of half-baked, half-in, half-out agenda. And each administration swings so violently from one side to the next that it's impossible for our allies to really know where we stand. So that trust has been eroded. And the final thing I'll say on this is this is why the JCPOA, the Iran deal, was so awful. And let us not forget that Russia was the mediator in all this. And thank God that President Trump yanked us out of that deal because it was a bad deal with no benefit for Americans, no increased national security, no chance of further instilling global security. There was just nothing beneficial about it. It just was delaying the inevitable. So this is a time when we've got to start rebuilding our trust. And meanwhile, Biden, he's suspending gas exports, LNG, that our, our allies are critically needing. And so we, this is a bigger issue than just Iran. We're going to hold Iran 
accountable, it's going to require more than just the United States. We can't be the, the police that are constantly going around saying you can and cannot do this. That's not the role of the United States. Our leadership is critical, and we have a role to play, but we have to have uh, allies that are joining us in this fight. I know when you go to war, you have to go to war with the army that you have, not the army that you wish you had. Same thing, commander-in-chief. This is not the guy to go to war with, I think. A lot of people would agree with that. So can we stave off? Can we keep our heads above water, I guess, in every area? Can we protect our soldiers, all the above, um, and make it through the rest of Biden's term, frankly? For me, everything is on the line here in November. If you think about what it really means to go to war, and of course, we're, we're on the precipice, it seems like, of World War III with Biden taking unilateral action using an AUMF from 1991. He is itching to get into a conflict so he can justify his second term. I'll be damned if we let that happen. I will not ever, ever, ever sign off on sending our young men and women overseas to fight a battle that is not directly a threat to the United States. And so we have to get serious about reasserting Article One authority in the House, which means Congress and only Congress can declare war, not Biden, not, not the people around him, and certainly not the TikTok influencer army that seems to be making decisions in the White House these days. Only Congress can do that, and we've got to get serious about reasserting that authority so we can restore order here at home first. Maybe we'll get lucky, and if Biden calls for war, it'll be on the day where uh, the Secretary of Defense is AWOL, so he won't even get the message. <laughs> Scary times, Bob, but we're in the fight. Indeed. Congresswoman Kat Kamek, we're, we're glad you're up there. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. 816 on the Bob Rose Show. Great stuff there. More stuff on the way. Um, Yes, more stuff about the border, but also Ukraine and what's going on there in terms of martial law. Details on the way. You're listening to 97.3 The Sky.